Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that best works for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. I want to talk about life's not fair. Think back to your childhood as a kid. You ever remember saying anything to your parents like, that's not fair. And what was their response? Life's not fair. Get over it. And boy, is that true. We'd love for life to be fair, but it just isn't, nor will it ever be. The other day, I picked up my granddaughter Mia from, from school. She's in the second grade. And I took her to Chipotle for her little favorite meal. And we just create memories, you know, granddaddy and, and granddaughter. And then I said, Mia, let's go over and get her nails done at the, not mine, but hers, at the salon. <laughs> and her nails are so small, they only charge $5. It just takes about a minute and a half, but it's big, big, girl, big girl stuff. So we, we're headed over there. And uh, I said, I guess we got to get baby pink because they won't let you use bright colors at your school. She said, yeah. She says, and Poppy, the middle school kids and the high school kids, they can wear bright colors on their fingernails, but we don't get to. You know, that's, I don't understand that. That's not fair. And I thought, boy, you're preaching my sermon, Mia. That's really good. But it was so funny to hear a little, little thing talking about in such a serious tone of voice, like, I just don't understand that. The middle school kids can have the bright fingernails, but we don't get to. I don't understand. That's just not fair, Poppy. And I said, that's not fair. I said, I bet that principal that made that rule is a man. Don't you think so? Yeah. I said, girls wouldn't do that. But we've all done that and said, life's not fair. That's not fair. When you get the largest piece of the pie, you think, God is good. God is great. And you don't care what's fair. You got a big piece of the pie. And you don't think very much about the other people who got the smaller piece who are saying, well, my life is so unfair. I prayed. I worked hard. But usually we're only concerned about fair when we get the short end of the stick. So when we say life isn't fair, we're saying life really isn't even. And uh, I think we all realize that's not really even theoretically possible. But here's the important point of view. Uh, people will use the fact that life isn't fair to excuse their irresponsibility. And that's the worst thing of all. And if that's something you tend to lean in that direction, let me urge you, don't do that. Irresponsibility will eat a hole in your soul and cause your life to start to spiral down. You're the one that'll be most negatively impacted by your own irresponsibility, and you're never going to be happy. Irresponsible people are not ultimately happy because it creates conflict with others and conflict with themselves. Benjamin Franklin said, the man that's good at making excuses is rarely good at making anything else. And boy, that's true. He describes the downward spiral of irresponsibility when we start to view our lives, what we didn't get, what we don't have, as being unfair. Now, it's not just people who get the short end of the stick who become irresponsible. People who get the larger piece of the pie, they also 
can become irresponsible. The more money you have, the more money they waste. The more time they have, the more they waste. The more of anything you have more of what you don't need, the more you tend to waste. So we're, we're generally irresponsible with things for which we have extra. So it's not just people on the short end who get irresponsible. If you've been blessed to a large measure, if you're a believer, you've got a bigger responsibility to do something for the kingdom with that and to help other people than somebody that got a smaller piece. But everybody has responsibility. God doesn't let anybody off the hook. But just because you have so much, look how much waste goes on every day out there. Some guy makes $20 million a year dribbling a basketball, and he's got 14 cars and three houses and 17 girlfriends, and he usually ends up broke. He just wasted it. Didn't do any good with it. Didn't, didn't last. That's, how many of you know that's just, that's irresponsible? That's absolutely, but it, you can, so no matter what side of the scale you're on, you can be irresponsible. So the issue is not how to make life fair. The issue is, what are you going to do with what you've got, with what you've been dealt What are you going to do with the life God has given you? Because the more you focus on the unfairness and unevenness of life, the more you're going to be tempted to be irresponsible because of what somebody else has or what they don't have. Now, Jesus taught this over 2,000 years ago, and particularly in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. He's telling parables about what the kingdom of God is like, and in the middle, he tells a story about the unfairness and unevenness of life. And he gives us his perspective about it. So I don't want to hear yours. I want to hear God's perspective on this unequalness of life. Now, if you grew up in church, you know that that's the story of the talents. So in this story, a talent is a measure of money. Jesus took something cultural out of the first century, and he used it to teach a lesson about how God views unequalness, unevenness in life. Now, keep in mind that a parable is usually told in an extreme. It's not quite literal. He uses hyperbole. Hyperbole is a big word, but a new word for some of you. It means exaggeration for effect, right? So let's look at this parable, Matthew 25, verse 1. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, he's speaking in extremes because the man left all of his wealth to these three servants. That's an extreme. That's probably not going to happen. The man leaves his wealth for these servants to manage in the way he would manage it if he were there. So to one, he gave five bags of gold. And by the way, a talent of gold was worth about 20 years of work for an average day laborer in that culture. To another, he gave two bags of gold, and to another, one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, we could say, well, that doesn't seem fair. One guy got five bags of gold, another guy got two, and poor old guy on the end, he only got one bag of gold. That's not fair. Well, what is fair is that the person who owns the wealth can decide how he distributes it. And if you had it, you'd agree with me and say, yeah, if it's mine, I can dictate how it's going to be distributed. If you're going to leave an inheritance, you get to decide who gets what. And then everybody wants to go to court and sue, and you didn't do anything for it. 
and now you want to sue about it. No, the, uh, whether you like it or not, the person who has the wealth has the right to say how it will be distributed. And if God owns everything and everything comes from Him and everything is Him, I better shut up my griping because if He wants to give Him five and you two and me one, that's His prerogative. That's, so ca- you'll catch on in just a minute. I hope you, this will really help you focus on what you've got, not what you didn't get. So the man who received five bags of gold went out at once, invested the money, and gained five bags more. By putting his money to work, we understand he went, invested his wealth for things of appreciating value. He did it because he knew that's what the master was expected of him when he gave him his money to manage. I want you to take what I've given, invest it, and I want you to add value to it so that when I come back, I get more than I gave you. You're a day trader, everybody here. You're trading your time, your talent. Everybody in this room is a day trader. You're trading your life for something. You are, whether good or bad. You're making trades every day. So this guy that had the five bags uh, went out and gained five more. The guy came that had two bags of gold. He said, I made some good investments. I doubled what you gave me. I got four. And, uh, but the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. He says, Master, see, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. I've gained five more. Here's ten. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's a good little sidebar. The ones he calls faithful are the ones who multiplied what he gave them. The unfaithful man didn't lose anything. He didn't gain anything. So faithfulness is not maintaining. Faithfulness is increasing what you came with. Whether you got five, whether you got two, whether you got one. That's a good sobering uh, assessment. And what did, what did the Lord say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll make you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man that had two bags of gold, he also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. Look, I've gained two more. I've got four. The master said, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, if you were the first guy that had five and brought ten, you'd be thinking, hey, hold on. I had five. I got ten. This guy had two. He got four. How come he's going to get what I got? Anybody listening? See? All right. He says, that's not fair. That's not even. Now, what happens next is a great illustration of first-century thumb-sucking whining. (laughs) Listen closely, because as the third servant starts to explain why he didn't invest his money, why he only came once a month to church or Christmas and Easter, why he dropped 10 bucks in the offering plate, and why he didn't serve, and why he didn't help anybody, he blames the master. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not stoned, showed up at church on time, gathering where you had not scattered seed. He's saying the master's a tough guy to work with. He doesn't take no for an answer. He doesn't leave any crumbs on the table. He's excellent. He's not sloppy. He's not get by. The servant's intimidated by the master, and he says, So I was afraid. 
I went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here, take what belongs to you. Now he's blaming the master for not investing what the master gave him and getting some interest on it. And the master replied, please listen to this. And by the way, Jesus is the one saying this. You wicked, lazy servant. Woo! I want to say that to a few people. Now, the word wicked should be translated worthless, or another translation, unprofitable. Now, there's another takeaway. If you were to assess your life, unless you're a little kid right now, how would you assess it? Some of you in your late 20s or late 30s and then the rest of you, would you assess your life as being, if you're a believer, profitable or unprofitable? Would, would God say, you've been profitable to me or unprofitable to me? That another, that's another sobering reality to ask yourself. You unprofitable, worthless, of no value, lazy servant. Oh, man. I would hate to face Jesus and have him say, Ricky G, let me summarize. You are worthless, unprofitable, and lazy. Well, it was cold this morning and I couldn't get up. Well, you know, 281's always crowded and I just hate to fight the traffic unless I'm going to a club or a date. It's amazing how you can go to the rodeo or anywhere else and how much you can pay, right? All right. Now, that's hyperbole. I'm exaggerating a little for effect. So he's afraid. Well, the master comes back to him and says, you're blaming me for what you didn't do? You, if you knew that I didn't harvest where I haven't sown and I gathered where I didn't scatter seed, well, holy cow, you should have put my money on deposit at the bank so that when I returned, I would at least have gotten it back with some interest. You didn't even gain any interest on what I gave you. I think what drove me and drives me in life is not guilt, shame, or condemnation. It's am I, am I adding value to the little bit I was given? you know, military, divorced family, uh, raised with different relatives. Okay, all that aside, the issue is, with what he's put in my hand, am I going to be able to say to him, hey, I took what you gave me and I doubled it. And it's not about comparing myself to Bill Gates or anybody else. It's just about, hey, here's what I got. I invested it. I did the best I could with it, and I've gained a little bit more. And when you do that, you get the same thing as the guy that had five. And if the guy with five slacked off, he doesn't get what you got. So you see that we have to think in terms of eternity. You get 70 to 90 years here, and poof, it's gone. Then you got all eternity. So be sure you're at least thinking long term. Uh, it's okay to have the toys right now, but I hope your life is more than just uh, a hot babe, a club, a rock and roll show or uh, square footage, or horsepower, or that second house in college. I hope it's more than that. I hope God says, as far as me, my kingdom, you didn't do anything. You wasted the money I gave you. You wasted the talent I gave you. You didn't help anybody. You just served yourself. And somebody as well said, the smallest package is a man wrapped up in himself. That's about the smallest you can get. This is fun, isn't it? Okay. So here... Here's another surprise in the parable. 
The master says to the other two servants, take the bag of gold from him, give it to the guy that got 10 bags. Why would he give it to the guy that had 10 bags? Because he's a good investment. I don't think God particularly cares who gets the talent, the money, whatever you want to say, the influence, as long as he can trust the one who has it. I've often thought, I wonder if God has so few Christians that are billionaires that he has to trust Bill Gates and Warren Buffett because they gave over $42 billion to charity each, each out of their personal wealth to help other people. And I know you don't like Angelina Jolene because she broke up Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt, <laughs> but she gives, she gives over 35% of her income to charity. God... God's not fair. Yeah. No, God's smart. He wants to get something done. He'll find somebody who'll do it. And he'll, he doesn't care what you think about him. That's a real, so maybe God won't give you more because you won't even be faithful with what he's given you. And he's given you so much and you're so stingy with it, whether it's talent or time or serving, or you're too busy with other things that his kingdom sort of takes, takes a back burner. And God says, okay, you just hang on for the ride. Take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the guy that had 10 bags. For those who have, more shall be given. And those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away. In other words, those who have been responsible with what they have, whether it's little or much, more shall be given. I'll make a dare with you. At 73 years of age, it is impossible for you to obey basic Christian principle, basic Christian principles, and not increase. Totally impossible. If your life isn't better today, and you've been a Christian 15 years, you suck. <laughs> that is not possible. You are a fraudulent Christian, or you're totally disobedient of simple principles he's put in Scripture. I'm not talking about going the extra mile. I'm talking about basic principles on handling marriage, relationship, money, health, and business. If you'll do the basic kindergarten 101, you will increase. It's impossible not to do better. That's, I, 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 I'll die for that one. So the master says to the first two servants, now throw that worthless, unprofitable servant outside into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this guy who had this incredible opportunity realizes he's blown it, blames his boss, is thrown out of the inner circle to weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of anger and frustration, and the parable's over. So Jesus' point is this. Everybody gets an uneven amount of opportunity, and everybody gets held accountable for what they do with it. Everybody has the privilege, everybody has the responsibility to somehow, someday, give an account for what they did with their uneven amount of opportunity. And this uneven amount of opportunity isn't even ours. It all comes from God. It's on loan. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness of it, and all they that dwell therein, Psalms 24. It ain't yours. You just lease in it. And you'll leave it when you leave the earth. So all I am is a steward of anything he's given me. So our responsibility is to figure out how to leverage it to our advantage. So I got a suitcase up on the stage. I'm not catching a plane. I quit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, as some of you. Okay. So there's my bag. When God 
decided to send you into earth, he packed your bag. He says to Jeremiah, before you were conceived in the womb, I knew you, called you by name, packed your bag, ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. Jeremiah didn't have anything to do with that. God packed his bag, his calling, his purpose, his gifts, what he had, right? God, God decided that. You didn't get to decide your, your, your eye color or your, your height or your bone structure or your race or your gender or your nationality. You didn't have a thing, nor did I have a thing to do with that. I, I came into the earth, and what I got's what I got. So he sent you into earth, so you, you wake up one day, you're aware of it, and you unzip your bag. Well, here you go. This is your life. And you open it up. And guess what? Some few get five talents. Wow. It's not a big crowd, but there's plenty of them. And then another big crowd, big, probably the biggest crowd of all, gets two, two talents, two opportunities. And then some get one, a five a two and a one. I don't get, you don't get to decide what's in the bag. God packed the bag before I got here, right? So all I can do is open the bag and see what I got. And, and like one lady said, and what you get is what you got. That's it. So now the issue is, what am I going to do with what I've got? I can't complain. Well, I, he got a five and I only got a one. What you got is what you got. Now, the whole evaluation by God is what I do with what I've been given. And I get that it won't matter if you had five and I had one. If I multiply my gift and use it wisely, I can get the same thing the guy with five gets in eternity. It's going to be no. This is not how you get to heaven. This is, a, this is about a reward. This is about evaluating your life on this earth. Now think with me a moment. Everybody in this room is either a one-bag, a two-bag, or a five-bag person. Now we all know some five-bag people, don't we? They get into the right schools. They marry the right people. They have talent that gets recognized out in the public sphere. Uh, they make a lot of money. They're beautiful. We hate those people. <laughs> Everything just seems to come natural to them. Yeah. They make A's in chemistry and calculus, and they don't study. You just hate them. But if these five-bag people aren't careful, they'll take what they've been given for granted because it's just that easy. It's easy to do. And then they're the one-talent people. They have to work their way through school. Their parents divorced when they were young. They were raised by a single parent, perhaps. They aren't all that attractive. They don't have good communication skills. Life is tough for them. Now, these people know when they look around, I don't have a lot going for me, especially compared to these other people. And then there's the majority of us, right in the middle, two talent people. Notice everybody got something. Nobody got left out. Everybody's got something. And most of us are right there in the middle. And the question is, what are we going to do with what we have? Now, the tendency is to look at everybody else and what they have, what you don't have, 
and make excuses for what you will or won't do. Well, I don't have that, and they couldn't expect me to serve or be faithful. Well, now you're going to be irresponsible because you're going to compare what somebody else got in their bag versus what you got. And let me remind everybody, if you're in the five level, to whom much is given, even more shall be required. That's a that's pretty awesome kind of a caution there, isn't it? Really to me. The parable teaches where to look at our own bag, decide how to leverage what I've been given to its max. We're to refuse to take what we have been given for granted, either by wasting it or by making excuses. Now, I've got a few friends, some in other states, a couple in other countries who have been extremely financially successful. They could quit while they were young. But they, as believers, have all been convicted of their responsibility by what they've been given to help, to serve the kingdom and others. So it's easy to be jealous of these people who have so much. But our real favorite stories are always about people who have it all, but chose to invest a large portion of what they have for the benefit of others. Anybody ever eat a Wendy's hamburger? Well, that's a pretty pitiful what Okay, yeah. Well, Dave Thomas, notice his picture, doesn't know, never found out who his biological mother was, and he was adopted at six weeks of age. He worked as a busboy in different restaurants, was fired for some, worked in other restaurants. Ultimately, he worked for Colonel Sanders for a lot of years where he picked up some good skills. He dropped out of high school and didn't finish. He didn't graduate from high school until 1993 when he got his GED. He's a one-talent boy who became a billionaire. And Dave Thomas set up the foundation for adoption, knowing because he had come from such uh, underprivilege, he wanted to use his wealth and position and influence to serve those who needed adoption in homes. And he poured millions of dollars into it and other charitable organizations. A one-talent guy became a billionaire and also decided to serve something beyond himself, people less fortunate than he, and he leaped. Love you, old Dave. God bless you, wherever you are. I don't know where you are, but God bless you. Thank you for being a good example. And then I think about a guy who was born really smart straight A's, got into the Naval Academy, straight A's, became a basketball superstar, Dave Robinson. But he didn't come with a silver spoon. He, 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 God packed his bag personally with extreme talent, extreme gifting. And he made multiple millions of dollars as a believer, was a very generous man, set up the Carver Academy, pledged $9 million to that. He gave to his church as a tither, supports many uh, uh, charitable organizations, has never forgotten his roots. In our early days, gave us $50,000 as a church. I couldn't ever tell anybody because back then he said, don't tell anybody. So I guess I can tell you now. It's a, it's a long time from that. But here's a guy who maximized uh, uh, what he had. He was a five-talent guy, and he used it uh, to represent Jesus very well. He's a strong believer, and he's made his faith well, well known. Again, he didn't squander it on, he lives a good life, and he should. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point was, he never got out of balance realizing that I've got a great responsibility with the great wealth I've been given, the great mind I've been given, and the great talent I've given to do something beyond myself for the kingdom. And he did. So why would 
wouldn't God want to bless somebody like that? Why not? Why, if all you want to do is accumulate more and more and more and more, why would that be interesting to God? I, I don't think so. You know, I, I don't get it. Scott Rigsby asked himself the same question. At 18, Scott was involved in a truck accident and had to have both of his legs amputated. He didn't sign up for that. And for a little while, you can imagine his life spiraled down. But one day he said he had a wake-up call. He said, wait a minute, I can't spend the rest of my life making excuses and placing blame. What might have been, what could have been, why me, why did I get hit? I can't spend the rest of my life looking at what everybody else has and what everybody else can do. So he got busy and he started taking care of himself physically. In 2007, he was the first double amputee using prosthetics to cross the finish line of the Ford Ironman World Championship. But that's not all he did. Scott chose to leverage his handicap and story for the sake of other people. He now spends time working with war veterans who have lost limbs and are dealing with the transition back into civilian life, wondering, is there a future for them? Pretty amazing guy who turned a really bad suitcase into something positive in helping other people. See, I, you know, I celebrate those people. So then there's two bad people, that's us. We've been given different opportunities. Some of us have more, some of us have less. I was, I was looking at somebody today on TV. They were given their building, and I thought, we had to finance ours, and we're still paying, huge. I have another friend in another state, maybe ran 500 people, and then somebody gave him a 2,000-seat building, debt-free, with 1,500 people, boom. Now he's a superstar, and I'm thinking, like Mia, that's not fair. That's not fair. But that was in his suitcase. Wasn't in my suitcase. I can't let that get me down and cause me to be irresponsible, suck my thumb, and say, well, I'm not going to try hard because it's just not fair. I'm going to take my two dippy little talents and do the best we could. We started in a motel at $150. We didn't have any support, nobody, no salary, no nothing, and the people came. And we still have people even on our board who were here in the early days when we first started, and we all pulled together, and little by slow as mud, little by little, we accumulated capital, made some purchases, then we rented, then we leased again, then we moved again like Israel in the wilderness. We'd break camp, move again, another hotel. Church Hill High School. Then we bought some property on 281. Then we bought property out here. It's been a long trip. <laughs> and not a lot of, I ain't Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes. And I didn't have anybody rich buy the building or pay it off or fund this. Some of them did. And God bless them. But I didn't. The guys and the gals with me as we started together, going to finish together, man, we just had two. But I'll tell you what we have done, whatever the score is. We've taken, we've taken two little bitty things and produced something pretty darned incredible for two talent. We, we, we advanced what we were given and multiplied it, and that's all you can do. I wish I was better. I wish I was cuter. I wish I was whatever, whatever. Maybe I need tighter skinny jeans and pull them up or something. I don't know. And just and get a buzz haircut. 
or whatever. Shoot. I'd get naked if it helped, but I don't know. I don't think it will. I think I'm too old for that now. But I'm just letting you know that I feel the same thing you feel. I can always look at somebody else's, what they got, and say, well, that's not fair. I don't have that. Or somebody else walked into, they, they were born on third base and they think they hit a triple. You know, they inherited it. I didn't get any inheritance. Did you? My parents didn't leave me anything. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to leave something to my kids. No, they won't be able to retire, but I'm going to leave them something and good memories at least. And the fact that I know that you are precious and I love you and a little bit, but that's from nothing. So I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about myself. I want you to feel pretty good about yourself. It's not comparing us to anybody. You should never do that because our bags are all packed differently. But what I got is just fine for what I'm supposed to do. And yours is too. So I want you to quit sitting back and say, I'm going to take my little gift and I'm going to use it. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help. I'm going to get on a team. I'm going to get in a connect group. I'm going to give. I'm going to I'm going to do what I can with my little. Jesus said, if you're unfaithful with a little, you'll be unfaithful if you win the $425 million Powerball. We'll never see you again. But if you've got a little and you're faithful and you're giving that, God says you can be trusted with more. And if you aren't faithful with what belongs to somebody else, God says you'll never get what's your own. So if you work for somebody else, you work for them like it was yours. That's what he says. If you're not, Luke 16, if you're not faithful with what belongs to another man. So if somebody comes into this church, this is our vineyard, our house. God let me be the chief shepherd and founder of it. Then God says, you serve that vision. You serve that culture. You don't impose yours. I come to other people as a servant, not an owner. And so as a result, God says, if I can trust you handling his, I can trust you in time with your own. That's a great way to assure yourself you're going to get what you should be getting when you get there. So all of us are given different opportunities and our responsibilities to look at what we've been given, figure out how I can leverage it for all it's worth for the sake of God's kingdom if I'm a believer. If you're not a Christian, at least for the sake of something bigger than yourself. So living only for yourself is a waste of your life, and there's nothing that inspires others about somebody who lives only for themselves. Who cares? I mean, are we want to watch the stars live for themselves tonight on the Oscars, and it's all about me and what I wear and how much cleavage I can show and, and, <laughs> and what I'm, oh, she's got on a, what a, da, 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 da. I don't know what, I don't know what. I don't know, but it'll be a show. It's all about me, right? Yeah. And here's what I'm thinking. Who cares? I don't care. You don't pay my house payment. You don't pay for Summit. You don't do anything for me. I could care less if you fall off the stage or your dress rips. I don't care. I just hope Denzel Washington gets an Oscar. Okay, anyway. So God's not trying to be even. He's just given us what he's given us to work with. Okay, here we go. We're going to close. Maybe you're, let's say, 25 years old, and you got just an okay job. Not what you really want, but at least you got a job. What are you going to do with that? Hmm? You might be a 32-year-old woman with a good job, but you thought you'd be married by now with children. But you're not. What are you going to do with that? Maybe you're happily married, but you've learned you're not able biologically to have children. What are you going to do with that? 
Are you just going to be unhappy the rest of your life? Or can you serve in areas where children are? Could you adopt a, a child as well? There are other options on the table. What are you going to do with that? And you could be a great encouragement with your own victory with somebody else going through the depression of being disappointed and tempting to be irresponsible because perhaps they can't have children. And all of us that have children thinking, that ain't such a bad idea. <laughs> so what am I going to do with what I've been, am I going to gripe, complain, make excuses, or accept what I've got is came from the Father. He loves me. He died for me through Jesus, and I'm going to leverage it for the sake of something bigger. Now, here's the most important verse in the parable, verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. One day, me, you, all of us will give an account for our life. That's an awesome thing. If you're the first two servants, that's going to be a great time. I can't wait to show Jesus what I've been able to do with what he gave me. I'm thrilled. For others, it ain't going to be such a happy time. So I'm trying to say, you're not performing to go to heaven. Jesus did that on the cross. This is about evaluating my stewardship of my life on earth. I redeemed you with my blood. Now, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave, you get, we are privileged to live in the greatest country in the world. There's trouble in all countries, but thank God we're in this one. Everybody wants to get in it, either live in it or blow it up, but everybody wants to get in it. That's a fact, isn't it? I've been to every country on the globe. I wouldn't live anywhere else permanently. I love it here, and I love what we have here. It's not the best, but it's the best on earth at the moment. So be appreciative of what you got, you know, appreciate it. So all of us have some time, but it's an uneven amount of time. All of us have opportunities, but they're not the same opportunities. So be a person who can say, I am taking responsibility for my own life. I am going to take the opportunities, big or small, that come my way, jump on them, chew them up, eat them, and maximize them for my advantage. I'm, going to, I'm not ever going to take them for granted. I'm not going to make excuses, and I'm not going to compare myself to people around me. The bottom line is to whom something is given, regardless of how small it is or how, or how great it is, from a one to a five, I am not going to compare myself to anybody else around me. I am going to embrace what I've been given, and I'm going to leverage it to the max so that when Jesus summarizes my life, my, my prayer is, I can at least get a well done, good and faithful servant. If I hear him say, you did, <laughs> it was a bit sloppy, but you did what I made you to do, you can't finish any better in life than that, can you? I would rather have that than an Oscar. Uh, to say for the God creator's sake, hey, baby, here's a, here's a WD, well done. You did what I made you to do. Shoot, I'm happy as a pig in slop. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be my highest achievement. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.